You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg E Hill, the Culture Change Agent. Y'all already know, man. I'm pumped up, excited when I tell you this podcast is going to be one of the best episodes that we have ever delivered. I'm telling you, ever delivered. So, it's crazy. Also, I ain't gonna lie. It's one of the longest podcasts I've ever recorded in my early trailblazer history. But I tell you, though, this man's journey and what he's been able to accomplish, where he comes from, the, the, the stuff that he shares and tips about living, tips about wealth, tips about all this other stuff that he lives by, not just blowing smoke. In these real stories, man, I guarantee each and every person that's listening to my voice right now can relate to it. So I'm excited about this episode. And it's episode 39. Can y'all believe that? We're 38 episodes in. Majority of podcasts don't last past seven episodes. And we've been able to deliver 38 episodes already. And the future just so bright, man. I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for leaving a review last week, too. We are well over 100 reviews. We got people all over the world leaving reviews. And that helped us get back into the top 150 podcasts in our category. And it's all thanks to you. Like, seriously, all thanks to you. Your continued support. Your continued engagement. I see you on Twitter reaching out. At Greg E. Hill. I enjoy this podcast. This means this. It means that. I, that means something to me. Because when I record it sometimes, I'm in the studio. I'm in my room by myself. I don't know who's engaged and who's really impacted, who's listening. But then when I have y'all reach out on LinkedIn, when I have y'all reach out on Instagram, when I have y'all reach out on Twitter, man, it really means the world to me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And for those that haven't had the chance to leave a review yet, I beg you, please leave us a five-star review. I would appreciate it. It does so much for us. So before we get into the episode, I just want to say a couple things, man, about our guest, and then we're going to introduce him. This is new because our guest today, he is the host of the Daily Spark podcast and the founder of the Daily Spark Entrepreneurship Community, which is a fast-growing online community dedicated to empowerment, education, and support of entrepreneurs. But besides that, before we even started all that, the guy graduated from Princeton University as well as got his MBA from Wharton, has experiences working for Microsoft and IBM. And and, and check this. This is where it really gets interesting. Dude has created multiple million-plus download applications for iPhone, for games. And if you add up all these downloads in the stores, over 10 million. The same guy has rejected a seven-figure 
proposal to buy his company, his app development company, rejected it. Boom. The dude at one point was making two to five thousand per day in ad revenue. And he's just a guy that now he's in the emoji ad business. He's doing a lot of different things. He has a crazy burgeoning community in the Daily Spark podcast where he interviews people that have really changed the culture in the tech space and all other spaces in a burgeoning Facebook community with over a thousand entrepreneurs sharing tips, sharing, sharing ideas, sharing all this other stuff. So this episode is going to be phenomenal. We're going to talk about before the, the app design. We're going to talk about what his experience at Princeton at Wharton, like why did he even get an MBA? All, all the times he was rejected when he was trying to become a consultant. Like I'm telling you, like six years ago, dude, first of all, he graduated from Princeton, didn't even have a job. <laughs> didn't even have a job coming from Ivy League school. He interviewed for all these consulting companies, got rejected from majority of them. And now, it just being a trailblazer in the tech. I ain't gonna lie, he's a writer for Huffington Post too. Been featured on Black Enterprise, TechCrunch, and he is going the next wave of Nigerian change agents in tech space and personal development space. And I'm just glad that we bumped into each other. His wife is the beautiful, the beautiful founder of the Side Hustle Pro Podcast, or of my African-American females, or ladies, and my man too, check that podcast out, and this guy is about to add a lot of value, tell some funny, funny stories, and it's about to be a long journey that I guarantee you will enjoy, so without further ado, I would like to introduce my boy, my dog, my brother, Moyo Okome, to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, welcome to the show. show. Yo, Greg, what's going on, man? I feel like Michael Jordan. <laughs> hey, man, I'm looking at the stats. I mean, the stats show for itself, man. I mean, I know you're a very humble guy, but I will say I, I'm glad and I'm I'm glad to have the opportunity to bring you on the show, bring your wealth of experience and knowledge on the show. And it's kicking and keep it real and uh let's change the culture, all right? I'm I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. No doubt, no doubt. And and most importantly, I'm happy because I wrote about a in a blog post this weekend. When I started into this blog and this podcasting space, I said, A, I wanted to be real, I wanted to be transparent, but I also wanted to connect with other uh, people of color that were in these different spaces. And I, I realized over the first year or so, that's one thing I haven't been living up to. I really haven't been connecting and, and sharing and exposing that many fellow podcasters, that many people that's in my lane. So me being able to have you on the show, you have a podcast, you have your own community. And now I'm able to share kind of the community I have, what you're doing. I'm just encouraged to finally start making headway in that. And I look forward to continue doing that. That's beautiful, man. Let's cross pollinate. <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, that's what everybody else does. So right, right, right. <laughs> so um, you know, as 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 we always do, we start the show off with a quote. So Moyo, can you give us a quote that you're one of your favorite quotes, and give us a story about how you use that quote in your everyday life? Oh man, okay. There there are a lot of them, but uh-huh. one that that jumps to mind. Okay, all right. I, I'll give you one that's important to me, and this comes from. Yoruba culture. My um, my family's Nigerian. Mm-hmm. My mom's side is Yoruba. And there's this quote that says, hard work does not kill. It is poverty that kills. Right. Mm. <laughs> and and uh, so, so the Yoruba have a saying for pretty much everything. And that's one that my grandma would always say. And my mom kind of took it from her and it became important to me because, you know, sometimes we have the tendency to 
to just be, be afraid to work, to, to be afraid to get in there and go hard. And, you, you know, you wonder why things aren't going the way you want them to go. Mm-hmm. But you find that if you put in the effort, then you start to, you know, get those lucky breaks and things start to go your way. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just helped me at various stages of life, whether it be in the MBA process, like you talked about, or being when I was trying to start a company and I was still working at a full time job. And even now, you know, trying to start different businesses and <laughs> the thing, things aren't always smooth sailing, but uh-huh. that that work can always be an equalizer for you and can always help you to get ahead. So yeah. the work is the ultimate, ultimate equalizer. And I know this show, this show in particular, we're going to cross the gamut. We're going to talk about your NBA experience. We're going to talk about your experience post NBA, talk about the apps, talk about podcasts, because your story, even though you're, you're still, you're, you're still young, your story has definitely been all over the place. But before we get into Princeton, Warren, six figure apps, t- turning down <laughs> seven figure offers, which I can't wait to ask about. Yeah. But can you share with our audience a little bit about your background? I know you spoke at other kind of where you're from and the kind of who you are. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and you can tell me if I do a good job with this. <laughs> so let's see. I, I'm, my family, as I mentioned, is is Nigerian, and that's a big part of who I am. I grew up in a Nigerian household in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. I spent the first 18 years of my life in, in Brooklyn, uh, You know, attended, attended school there. Um, went to high school in the city in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was always into sports. Uh, soccer was my first sport. Then uh, I played a lot of basketball in, in high school. Um, still into sports, but, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older now, so <laughs> don't do it as much. Uh-huh. Uh, in, in college, I studied computer science. You know, uh-huh. I was always into technology. So I thought that computer science would be a, a good thing for me to go into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I followed that into into the professional field. I work for um, I, I work for IBM, for Microsoft. Initially, I was a software developer, software engineer. Then I went, got the MBA, came out. I was a, a business manager after that. Mm-hmm. You know, sounds like I'm doing more than I was there. But <laughs> really, really, I was doing spreadsheets, but I was a business manager. Uh-huh. And, you know, um while I was doing that, uh, I kind of became dissatisfied with, with the job and I was working on things on the side. I was working on, on building some apps. Mm-hmm. And long story short, like my side project became more financially viable than what I was doing at work. Mm-hmm. So I, I was forced to take it seriously and decided to make that a full time thing. And, you know, that, that kind of led to where we are now. Mm-hmm. The, is that did I yeah. touch? <laughs> yeah, nah, that's that's all good. Right, cool. But you know, we about to unpack all of that because a lot of, course, of nuggets and of jewels. So before, let, tell us how growing up in a Nigerian household is, and the reason why I ask because first of all, shout out to Nigerian and, and all of Africa because we've had a great contingent that's growing every day. Um, shout out to Emmanuel Johnson uh, episode, I believe fourteen. They kind of open up that 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 floodgate, but. We've had people on the episode, but I never ask about the, the culture and growing up in that culture. Can you, can you briefly share with the audience what it was like growing up in a Nigerian household? Of course, of course. And I, I got to give a shout out to our, our super eagles of Nigeria who won bronze medal in the Olympics in, hey. in soccer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we, we're excited about that. Um, but yeah, growing up in the Nigerian household, I'll say 
there were a lot of a lot of rules. <laughs> you know, parents were very concerned with not letting. So you know, it was Brooklyn in the 1980s. There were a lot of things going on. I, I was often not allowed to go outside, and and you know, um, the people I played with had to be people who my parents knew. Mm-hmm. Right, so there were like a couple people whose houses I could actually go to. Um, so that, that, was, that was a big part of it. Um, the food was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. We eat a lot. I don't know if you've had Nigerian food. We eat a I lot of. Haven't. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> you got to do it. So we jollof rice is a big thing um, for us and for a lot that, of yeah. West African countries. Um, you know, the, people have these wars over who has the best jollof rice or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I won't get into that right now. Yeah, please don't. Please don't want anybody <laughs> leaving the podcast. Not going to start a war on your airwaves. Um, so, yeah, jollof rice. Uh, we eat fried plantains called dodo. Um, all, all, all kinds of great stuff, all kinds of tasty stuff. Um, soccer is like a religion, like it is for a lot of places around the world. And... I don't know. I, I think my parents just had a lot of good lessons for me mm-hmm. and, uh, on how I should be educated, how I should conduct myself, um, you know, how I should think of myself um, in terms of, I guess, just self-esteem. And not all of it was really them telling me to do stuff. Some of it was just them watching me. So, for example, you know, in school, it's not they wouldn't really tell me, hey, you got to do your homework. You got to do your homework and and all that stuff all the time. I just kind of knew I had to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, they they didn't really come to school on parent-teacher's day or anything, but I just knew I had to perform. And and it wasn't, I never really had any questions about, I never had these issues about, hey, you know, are these other people smart? In fact, I had the other problem where I would think, I just thought I was the smartest kid ever (laughs) on on earth, right? Uh Uh-huh. And I think that's just because of me watching them and, you know, them, them making believe that I could do anything. Mm, that's deep. And it's crazy you say that because I ran across a quote the other day that was mind blowing to me. I never heard it. He said, I, I don't know. It was an unknown quote, but it was like a lot of people, everybody has advice, but there's few that serve as examples. Yeah, and and I think that's what you're saying about your parents. Like they they weren't always lecturing because you know I I I've had I ain't gonna lie I'm gonna put my dad on blast, but I had parents in the past. I, like I have more than one parent, but they'd be like, <laughs> yo, go do your homework or read all this sort of stuff. But you never saw him reading. Right, you, you never right, saw him right. doing that. So the, even though their their heart was there, the love is there, but sometimes it doesn't translate if you're not even living it out. So right. I'm glad that you were able to kind of bring that out. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Just, you know, my mom was a professor. She's still a professor at Brooklyn College. Mm -hmm. My dad was a physical therapist. And, you know, especially just that reading habit is still with me from today to today. You Mm -hmm. know, I I, we talked I think we talked about when we're on the phone the other day, like uh, I read all the time. I just discovered audio books for some reason. (laughs) Really into that right now. So yeah, that that whole influence in my childhood was big. Man, that's huge. So, what led you to Princeton, and why didn't you choose the HBCU? Hey, I'm just, I was just, at the yeah. last part. It just, I just, I wanted to add on the biggest thing, like, like what even led you to you. shoot for the Ivy League. But before we even get to that question, why not HBCU? Did you even thinking about HBCU? 
So I, I I I thought about it briefly. I think my parents didn't really want me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so and they, they kind of just they kind of just ruled, <laughs> you know. Um, Why is it like that though? Because I had Ngazi, uh CEO of He Free Hair. Shout out to Ngazi. She was on her my, her father didn't speak for her speak to her for four years because she yeah. was a North Carolina auntie. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what the I don't really know what the reason and the rationale was, but like they they just weren't for it, and <laughs> so I ended up applying to about six different schools, I'd say, mm-hmm. and I, I think I got into four of them, and I was waitlisted at one and rejected at one, so Princeton was one of them, and I I I had said that you know I told them they asked me. Hey, which one are you considering? Where do you want to go? And I mentioned one of the other schools, mm-hmm. right? And then the reaction was like, okay, well, that's cool. Well, you're going to go to Princeton. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess I'm going to go to Princeton. Uh-huh. But it, I, I was, I was still into it at the time because at the time, the, I was dating a, a woman who was from Jersey. Mm-hmm. She was from Irvington, New Jersey. Oh, that's right. That's and, right. Um, it, 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 it's not too far away from there. It, it's it's by it's right next to Newark and East Orange in that area. Mm-hmm. So I, I was I was happy to be in Jersey, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So um, it, it just it worked. I didn't fight them too much on it. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's big. So I, I know we don't want to go all into your Princeton experience, but in a nutshell, first of all, how was it like being uh, a person like of uh, that? A minority on campus, yeah. and what was your whole experience in a nutshell at Princeton? So when I first got there, it felt like the Twilight Zone. I, I remember watching because you know, it, it's not like I hadn't been around white people before uh-huh. or anything like that. I, I had I went to school at a school that they had lots of white people. Uh-huh. Um, I'd say I, at least half or more for high school, and um, so. I, I was used to that. I grew up in New York. It's very diverse, but I don't think I was around the kind of wealth or at least the kind of yeah. op- open wealth that I would see at Princeton. And, you know, just folks going to play golf on a random afternoon. And As college kids? Yeah, Playing yeah. Golf? Just, oh, let's go play. What? <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was a golf course on the campus, wow. off to a certain side of the campus. So some people would go take advantage of that and go play golf. And then, you know, the, the way people would talk and interact was different. So it was just something to get used to. And then it was such a small town compared to New York, um, New York City and, and Brooklyn. So just getting used to that. And there, there weren't there weren't that many black people around. So that wasn't something I was used to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, the, the black people you see would be the same black people over and over pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... It, it was just different. I think I had a really good experience educationally, mm-hmm. right? But I, I didn't really love it from a social perspective. But I kind of just told myself, you know, th- this is going to be worth it someday. And, you know, it's, it's going to pay off. So when you go to schools or colleges like that, especially an undergrad, like, does it... <sighs> I know you said it's going to pay off or whatnot, but do you ever feel like you're a part of, of the culture or is it kind of just you're just going to class or like what, is, what what was the vibe? Yeah, for me, I mean, I definitely had my group of friends and everything. I had quite mm-hmm. a few friends, you know, 
um, who I'm still friends with today. But for me, it was just more of an a- academic thing, right? Mm-hmm. And being part of the culture, I mean, I, I guess I, I was involved in a lot of different things at school, but I'm, I'm not I'm not one of those alums that's gonna wave the flag super hard. Right? <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm happy I, I went to the school. I, I res, you know I respect the school. I'm glad for what I got out of the situation and everything mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I, I don't know if I have as much school spirit as others. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. So take us through. Okay, you you come from that place. You graduate from Princeton. What's next before the NBA? Like what what's next after that? Okay, graduated from Princeton before the NBA, right? <laughs> so interestingly enough, I, I kind of played my cards a little bit wrong when it comes to the career side of things. Mm-hmm. So during my summer periods, and I probably should have been going for internships in my field, I ended up doing a bunch of different community focused work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which sounds like a good thing, is a good thing to some degree, but... Yeah. Might not help you as much if you're trying to land a certain job, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You because I mean, you can still do community work while doing full time internship. But I mean, I'm clapping right, for right. you. I mean, that's cool. I'm doing a slow clap. But <laughs> so, what what even led you to do all that? Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure, man. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But I so I work for this organization called the the Princeton Princeton University Preparatory Program for two summers. And what they were trying to do was help help high school students get into competitive colleges. So there were, you know, it was an ethnically diverse group and um, coming from three schools. One was Princeton High School. So that was like the the most affluent school there. Um, Then Ewing High School, which was a little bit less affluent, and then Trenton High School, which was less affluent. Like uh-huh. that's that's the capital of Jersey, and it's very urban, right? So got all these kids from those different high schools who have been identified as you know kids are, who are going for it and achieving things, just trying to help them get through the front door of these competitive schools. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of dug that mission. I, I met the guy who was running it, and I decided I wanted to be a part of it. That sounds dope. I did, it, it, it was dope, and did that for two summers. Um, the another summer, I worked f- for this community technology center in in Harlem, and it was just you know re- really helping that community with technology, like learning HTML. You know, um, people would come in to use computers, learning Photoshop, all, all different kinds of things around technology. So I had a, had a great experience there, met some great people there. But what I wasn't doing at that time was, you know, programming internships and stuff mm. like that. So, you know, I, I come out and I decide that I, I want to work for a Microsoft or a Google or something like that. And, you know, they, they want to see what you've done. Um, what's your experience? What are you capable of? I still got interviews, but I didn't get jobs. So it took me a while to find it. It took me a while to find a job. I ended up taking something that I was a little bit overqualified for. It was a I say overqualified. That sounds kind of snooty or something. Hey, but hey, it is what it is. Overqualified like. for the job. <laughs> so I, I took this job. It was really an internship. <laughs> it's it, after. So you had a couple months after graduating from Princeton where you didn't yeah. have a no job. 
Exactly. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know, you would think, I, I guess a lot of people think, you know, you went to this school. So, you know, you're set. You're good. Like you should be yeah. the, the you, you yeah. are the classic black guy they need at companies. Right. Right. Yeah. So for whatever reason, that's not the way that everybody else. Feels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I definitely struggled to get that initial look. Ended up going to this company. It was something I just found, I think, through a newspaper ad or monster.com ad or whatever. Newspaper ad? I think so. I don't, you know, I worked through my um, my school's job boards and the the career services and everything uh-huh. after those opportunities. But I was just trying to do whatever I could as mm-hmm. well. Um, so th- this one was, I, I think I found it myself. And it was a company in the city, informa- information builder software. So it's like a middle, mid-sized software company, mm-hmm. and you know, d- did that interview. And um, the the interview was actually he's a a black guy from Jamaica. He's a Jamaican black dude from England. Right? Oh, wow, what the world? Ha- where they make them at? <laughs> there's, there's lots. There's lots. <laughs> but uh, y- yeah. So we, we had a good interview and. You know, I think I was able to impress him enough, and he just kind of gave me a shot at the job, um, and that that was that was my start. So that was your start, and then then it you, was a rocky start. <laughs> and then did you then you found your way into Microsoft, right? So next up was IBM. Oh, okay, okay. I, I was at this information builder's job probably for like six, eight months, and. I'm trying to figure out what I, you know, I think I just, I just wanted more. Like I wanted, I was on an hourly wage <laughs> and um, I'm sitting there at my desk like, man, is this, is this what happens when you graduate from school? Is this like it? You know? <laughs> is this what I, well, you know, I'm, I'm there for like, um, you know, eight, nine hours a day. Yeah, it gets but, grinding and it's like, this, this can't be it. And I think I came to the realization, and because I was getting paid hourly, I didn't really get holidays like people got. There, there were like only a few holidays a year mm-hmm. that, that I got. So you and, weren't even getting holiday. You working hourly, working holiday. You like, yo, this is this is not what I signed up when I signed them papers to go to Princeton and whatnot. So I, I was just sitting there in kind of like an existential crisis type kind of <laughs> like, is this what my you know? And, and I came to the realization that I wasn't going to get a, a summer break. You know, because <laughs> I, I didn't think about that's that. That's when like, it gets real. Like, side, that's when it gets real when you graduate yeah. and you don't get no summer break. You don't get no break. You just start working right. ever. I, I was like, so I'm just going to come in here every day, you know, sit here, every get coffee every day, have this dumb conversation. Every, like, I was like, this sucks. <laughs> you know? So I, I was like, all right, well, let's at least start looking for the next thing. Uh-huh. Uh, ended up finding this job with IBM. I think I did that through Nesby. Nesby, mm-hmm. shout out to Nesby, you know, National they Site Black Engineers. Them, yeah, they had, went to a Nesby event, met some people there, uh, got this guy, this guy, Bill Lawrence. The guy, I don't know if he still works for IBM, but I got Bill Lawrence's card. He was like, yeah, hit me up. And he put me in touch with this recruiting event. I was able to go there. And what was nice about that event is that you could interview with a whole bunch of different IBM divisions in the same day. They had like 20, 30 groups there. Mm-hmm. You could interview with, talk to all the hiring managers, interview with multiple people, and pretty much get an interview, get a get a decision 
within the next couple of days. Wow. So that, that was pretty sweet. So that, that's how I got my next job. Ended up moving to, to Boston for that. <laughs> and that, that was a whole nother chapter. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. So um, it, it, did you, you went right to that, to the NBA, right? From, from um, yeah. So a, after IBM, then I went to get the NBA. So, I'll, I'll speed it up for you. <laughs> yeah, first, first and foremost, how'd you get a freaking 750 on the GMAT? I know we it's not a GMAT class, but I just want to ask. Oh, like, what, No problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've always been good at standardized okay, tests, okay. and it's just I don't find it to be. It's funny because I don't really like respect the. You know, it, it's great that I got it. Mm-hmm. I'm happy I got it, but to me, I look at the test, and it just doesn't have much to do with anything other mm-hmm. than just being good at the test. I just happen to be somebody who's good at tests mm-hmm. for whatever. You know, that's one of the weird, wacky skills I have. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, how's that going to start in my company that that test has never come into play. You know, mm-hmm. even when I was in school, it's like the stuff that was on the test was not the stuff that was going to help you to do well in, in the classes. So That's I don't true. know. I guess it's just a way of figuring out if you can be good at a test. Yeah, either that or, you know, just making bread. All these tutors. T- man, the first time I started the, the NBA prep, they said, yo, Greg, you need to hire that tutor because I was in MLT NBA prep. Yeah, shout, yeah. Out, shout out to MLT NBA prep. And yeah, it's like, hire a tutor. I was like, okay, hire a tutor. Boom. Oh, $300 an hour, $400 an hour, $2,000 courses. I said, what? Yeah, <laughs> I said, wow. I'm going to get this $99 book package and we're going to yeah. make it work. Um, But I know that, but the thing is though, I ain't going to lie, I, shout out to people that do get tutors because I mean, it helps, it helps. But transition there, why Wharton, man? Because I want to talk about this NBA experience real quick. We had a personal sure, sure. conversation on the phone, but I know there's some people out there listening and they're like, first of all, what's the big deal about the NBA? Um, what is it really worth it? Cause I want to have entrepreneur. I want to do this with that. So I want to quickly talk through this whole NBA thing because I think Absolutely. that's pivotal in your journey. So first, why Wharton? That's like a finance NBA spot. Um, so traditionally that's the way it's been thought of, but more recently, I think what Wharton has to offer is a lot more diverse. So the strength in finance is still there, but you'll also find a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs um, going to the entrepreneurial program is very strong right now. And then one thing that I, I really liked was the international appeal. So just both in the student body and then in um, in the program offerings had a lot of stuff where you can really integrate travel into your learning. So I, I like that a lot. So for, for me, it was the entrepreneur program. Um, the, the international aspect. And then I, I really liked the people who I met a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really liked, cause people, it seemed like I was meeting a lot of people who were really accomplished, but then still not feeling themselves too much, still down to earth. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think I gave you the example. My, I have a buddy, he started three. Yeah. Please days. expand upon that. Cause I was blown by even hearing that. Yeah. So th- this, a guy, uh, my friend Davis Smith, he, he's currently CEO of this company, this company, PoolTables.com. So they became, that was before school. Mm-hmm. They became the largest ret- retailer in North America of pool tables. Mm-hmm. And next up, he started this company called Baby.com.br that was in Brazil. And they became Brazil's largest online retailer of baby products. Wow. And now... Man, it, it, it's so slipping my mind. But he started an outdoor gear company, mm-hmm. and they have a dual mission of alleviating world poverty. Mm-hmm. Photopaxi is the name of his company. Okay. And 
so yeah, they're about creating outdoor gear uh, for millennials, but then also having a social mission. And and he was one of the first people that I met when when I first you know was in the school, and we had our like we had a, a pre weekend for the the incoming students, and mm-hmm. we met at this bowling party, and he'd done all this stuff, but he was so you know, you wouldn't know it. He wasn't somebody who's was going to come out and tell you like, Hey, start a whole bunch of million dollar company, <laughs> you know, multi-million dollar companies. Yeah. And so I, I, I had that. Ex- so you had that experience first, but before I'm asked like the whole worth question, and I want you to kind of share what you share with me as far as advice is seeing yeah. considering it. But what was the difference between undergrad being at Princeton and then MBA at Wharton as far as culturally and just in general? Yeah, I enjoyed my my experience, my total experience at Wharton a lot more. You know, I think a lot of that probably has to do with just where I was at as a person in terms of maturity and then being ready to take advantage of everything a program has to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, not nowadays. Yeah, you know, I think that that's really what it what it was like. I just knew more about what I was trying to do in life, like, hey, I want to lead an organization and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to become a better speaker and I want to be an entrepreneur. And um, when you know, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but when you know more about where you want to go, it's easier to just take advantage of what's around you. Whereas I think during undergrad, I was more so just floating, showing up and, you know, letting things happen to me. And, and I, I don't think that's ever where you really want to be, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, it can take you time to realize that. Yeah, nah, I, I agree. I agree, man. So, um, what is, as far as for people that are considering MBAs, what advice would you give them in general? Yeah. I don't like to give anybody cookie cutter advice about that. Mm-hmm. I was actually just talking to a young man about this the other day while I was in the supermarket, but I think it's all about your goals, where, you know, what are you trying to get to ultimately? Where do you see yourself or where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be ultimately? And then, you know, how would an MBA contribute to that? You know, is that is the MBA going to be pivotal in you landing that job that's going to put you on that path to get you where you want to go? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are you just doing it because other people are doing it? And mm-hmm. if it's just because other people are doing it or because of prestige, and stuff like I think I think it's probably a waste of money, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. But you know, if it does, if it is going to fit into your career path, or just provides you time and space to to pursue something that you want to work on, um, you know, I, I think those can be very valid, very valuable reasons to do it. But it, it's it's really it's really going to be a personal thing for everybody. You know, you just got to keep in mind how much it's going to cost, um, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and then also look at the benefit side of things. You know, that said, even though if you look at my career arc and the things that I'm doing now, you know, I would tell you that I don't really need an MBA to, to do I don't need any degree to do what I'm, I'm doing right now. You know, mm-hmm. there are people out there just doing it. But for me, it was valuable in helping to change the way that I think. I, I think I very much thought as an engineer, as you mentioned before, mm-hmm. as somebody who's a programmer. And it just allowed me to think more about business and look at situations and see, okay, this party is profiting and this is why, and this is like the business system that is going on. The systems. So that, 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest way that it helped me out. Now, some people already had that level of, of thinking and, um, you know, maybe an MBA wouldn't add to, to what, what they were doing. But for me, it, it did help me a lot in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so you graduate from Wharton, you got your Princeton degree, you got your IB experience, you graduate from Wharton. And then I read somewhere, and you can confirm this, you still graduated with no job. Yeah, so yeah. So how did that happen again? Like, Wait, I, hold I'm still. Let me I'm see. Did I? Yeah, I did. I, I'm so did confused I? right now. Um, no, I got I got a job. I didn't graduate with no job, but it took me a long time. It, it, it was. Um, is that true? Let me see. Yeah, I believe I had a job, but I got it. I, I got it late in the game. Mm-hmm. Right, it, it took me a long time to get it. I could be remembering that wrong, but but either way, yeah, it was definitely a struggle for me. I'll tell you that much. It was a struggle for me to get the internship. It was a struggle for me um, to to get the job, and so part of the reason, what I was trying to do, my the story I went in with, you know, when you go into MLT, they want you to come up with your story and the path you want to follow. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to do, I wanted to go into consulting. Mm-hmm. As everybody does. (laughs) Right. I I saw it as just, hey, something where it allows you to keep your options open and you get to learn a lot about a lot of different businesses and stuff. So I went to go into consulting and then stay there for three years, four years, five years, something like that, and then go do my own thing. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) I don't know. And what happened is I, I did all these interviews for these different consulting companies and I was not getting the job. <laughs> you know, I, I would make it to the final rounds and stuff and it, it just was not happening for me. It was happening over and over. I, you know, I, I worked really, really hard at this. I sat down with people who were consultants at all these firms, had them prep me. You know, I went through all the, the case books over and over. Uh-huh. I, I would do this while I was in class. I would do this <laughs> while people were partying. You know, uh-huh. I was I was working on this thing. He was going me. in. Yeah, got my my suit game tight, got my <laughs> my my hair tape and lined up. <laughs> got the tape, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, I I'd be walking down the streets to my interview, and people were like, "Yo, young man, I would hire you," and I was like, "You should," but nonetheless, I was not, <laughs> I was not getting the job. So, um, part of the problem when you do go to these schools and you're competing for these jobs that a lot of people want, a lot of people going for the same jobs have already done the job. So like I'm interviewing at BCG and McKinsey and I'm right next to consultants who have been at BCG and McKinsey. Some of them, <laughs> like their objective, I just want to switch from BCG to McKinsey. I uh-huh. want to switch from McKinsey to BCG. <laughs> uh-huh. I want to switch from Accenture to Bain or whatever. So uh-huh. you, you got that. Um, and, and then another thing that I figured out later that was working against me. So in this particular field, one thing that they really value is structured, repeatable thought, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing that feedback I would hear oftentimes is, hey, you know, we like your answer, but we don't like how you got there. And I'm sitting there like, what the hell does that mean? Uh (laughs) Did I get the answer or did I not get the answer? Uh And, and, but what they're all about, and I understand it, I'm, you know, I'm not mad, I'm not placing blame, but they want you to be able to walk a client through exactly how you're getting to your thought. And stuff like that is really important to them. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, some of the stuff that makes me, you know, after, I mean, I, I did I did get an internship in consulting with, with IBM. 
global business services, but I didn't get the full time offer. Is that what the 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 one without degrees? Degrees without? I think I know what you're talking about, though. My bad for interjecting. But continue. No, no. Tell me, tell me. What were I think because I, I know they have consulting without degree, consulting by degrees, or something like that program. Oh no, no, no. Um, they, it's this this uh, they have this organization called Global Business Services. Okay, okay. I know GBS, so I, yeah. I, I was working for GBS in New York City. So I got I got that internship, but I didn't get the full time. <laughs> and so anyway, I just say that to say, you know, me getting rejected from all these consulting companies and me not getting the full time that should be telling me like, hey, you know, maybe you're just not that good at consulting. right? <laughs> and and I, that might be true. But I think that some of the attributes that I have that make me a piss poor consultant also make me a pretty good at entrepreneurship. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like. They, they want to see this in the box, linear, this, then that, then this, then that. And that's just not how I think. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I was trying to force myself into that situation because I thought that was the right thing to do. But it turns out it probably wasn't for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And once once I was able to, I, I guess, get past that and, and realize that. And it, by the way, it didn't happen immediately after you know, going through that, I, I got a job in, with Microsoft after that. And I was working as a business manager, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But it's only after I was doing my own thing after Microsoft. Now, look back, I'm like, oh, you know, this makes sense. Like, there's a reason why I didn't fit in. Like, I was I was never meant to do this job. Yeah, you it just wasn't it. So yeah, now it's time to transition into your niche, like kind of where you're at right now, and the explosion in within this app space. What people are probably been listening and waiting to, waiting to hear about. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to paint the picture because you have a, a a crazy journey and just different experience. But now let's transition from where you were, so you can kind of walk us through. Your your exit when like once you even started working on your side project, which was developing apps and yeah. and, and that whole process because that is right now kind of what what just changed your whole trajectory. Yeah, that that is a, a big game changer for me, and, and I I do have to share. I, I gotta share. So I actually have ten million plus downloads. I think yeah, it's I short change eight million. I'm, yeah, I can't let you short me, man. I work for the. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Yes. So did you want me to talk about how that came about? Yeah, like or? how that even came up, like how right. did that even come about? Because I know your background's in engineering, but yeah. how, when did you even make that crossover while you was at Microsoft to get into the space and then walk us through it taking freaking off? Got you. Yeah, so there's no, I don't know. It's funny. You and I both went through the MLT process. Yeah. So <laughs> you know how they talk to you about your your steps need to make sense and be structured logical, and logical leverage. And that's cool, but I don't think that life works that way uh-huh, uh-huh. In, in a lot of cases. You know, I think it's a good story. Um, and like, no, no, no shade to MLT. MLT yeah. is an awesome organization, and they're trying to get people prepped and in, into school. So I, I get it. But success is often just not linear and not structured. It's going to go in all different directions, and. You know how how I got to this app thing and entrepreneurial success is a bunch of different failures, like just messing up at a bunch of stuff and figuring out stuff that was going to work and and moving forward with it. So like let let me break that down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at when I was at Microsoft, I started to kind of get dissatisfied 
just because I felt that I wasn't receiving a lot of respect on the job. I wasn't being treated the right way. I actually got demoted in title at a certain time. Goodness gracious. Yeah. You were still making six figures, though. Yeah. yeah. So the money the money didn't change. I was uh-huh. still making six figures. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and that's one thing I would tell myself all the time. You know, I try, no matter where I'm at, uh-huh. I always try to stay grateful about everything that I have. That's, that's another thing that my parents gave me. And, you know, going to Nigeria as a young person gave me, seeing people in like real, you know, seeing, seeing people in poverty, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing that. Of course, you know, you see, you can go outside here. I'm in the D.C. area. I can go outside and see people in, in poverty. Anywhere you at, you can see poverty. Mm-hmm. But but, um, just, you know, seeing a different level, I suppose, and seeing mm-hmm. that people could still appreciate what they have and be happy, which is not to say that everybody there is in poverty. They're not. But you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, so I get, we get you. Mm-hmm. Just, just that um, I, I would always have the gratitude for the fact Hey, you know, I'm getting this check. That's a great thing. A lot of people don't get that. I'm happy. I'm, you know, I'm happy about that. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like, th- there's only so much just negativity, toxicity, being disrespect. Like, as as a man, as a human being, like, what were they doing? Know? Like, can you, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I know we're not we're not painting the picture bad about Marcus All, but right. I just wanted, as far as the story purposes, like, what? Like, tell me one time. Yeah, they did, what, yeah. was, what was one disrespect story? Dude, like, bro, what in the world? Okay, so I, I mean, like, I'm I'm all for team play and doing whatever it takes for the team. But how many times are you going to ask me to make copies, right? <laughs> make copies for them. I'm like, okay, if if you, we just acknowledge that you're paying me six figures for this job, uh-huh. right? So is is this really the best use of my time just to be making copies all the time? Like, I, I that's not how I would run it. So <laughs> uh, that that was one example. Then another another more um, another one I like to bring up. You know, just being in meetings, I sit down, get to the meeting early, sit down at the table, get ready, making conversation. Somebody would come in and tell me to get up from the table so that somebody else could sit down at the table. Are you right? serious? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, that. So um, and to provide some color to it, this was a I was working for Microsoft public sector. Uh-huh. So um, a, a lot of it. A lot of the experience there was colored by the military, a lot of oh, okay. Okay. Ex, ex-military folks, a lot of stuff about like rank and order and who works for who. So if you work for this guy, you're important than this person. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm I'm a person and like, I know I'm I'm capable and, and I'm smart. So like, just don't give me that. You know what I mean? Get like up. I, I'm, I'm sitting here and this person is not better than, you know, and it'd be one thing if it was somebody... If I'm getting up for I don't know the vice president and I'm I'm obviously not the vice president I'm like all right cool but it's people on my same level uh-huh. so <laughs> I'm like you know I'm just I wasn't for that then there was the thing with the the demotion thing and at, you know they let us know okay you're getting demoted but your title's still the same as this is happening some of my peers that came at the same time are getting promoted so they're telling me two different things like hey you're doing a great job. Uh, keep it up, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, we got to take your title down and these people are, are getting promoted. So I'm like, okay, something's wrong with this story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't follow. Right. Um, and what else, what else happened? Then, you know, I get these calls on the weekend just getting yelled at for various things that happened. <laughs> so Sometimes I get yelled at because <laughs> my, my boss didn't like the numbers. Like, you know, I'll report the numbers to him, how the business is doing, what our revenue is looking like for the week, for the month, and this and that. I'm reporting to you. 
are you going to get mad at the weatherman because it's going to snow? I'm, I'm letting you know what is happening accurately. If you want me to lie to you, I can lie to you, but I'm just telling you what it is. Like, don't yell at me because the numbers are low. That's what it is. So I can see I brought you to a very dark place. <laughs> it's, it's funny to me now. And I think that it's important to go through things. It's important to go through trials. It just makes you stronger and it makes you appreciate what you have more once you get past it. You know what I mean? I, I can always, like, w- once I quit, the weight that came off my shoulders was amazing. You know what I mean? And, um, man, I feel like I took this off track a little bit. What was no, I supposed no, to say? You're, no, you're fine. That was, that, uh, that, that, that was a great flavor and great color. Yeah, yeah. And now yeah, you're just yeah. transitioning into that, that, when did you even start making games, like apps? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I just got so. Nah, I, so I liked it. No, nah, that's that's that's, 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 that's <laughs> those parts. That's why people come to this show for stuff like that. Because some people that listening right now, they can relate. They're like, "Yo, I'm doing the same thing." thing. And so that that's the thing, man. That that um that anger can consume you. And I, I started getting drawn into a place where I started forgetting that I was a smart person. Mm. Right? It's like. Almost you're in, this, you're in this environment and people are just talking to you like you're stupid and treating you like you're stupid and like you're less. And you can start to believe it. So that's that's part of why this out, doing stuff on the outside became important. I was like, OK, in my day job right now, I'm just not doing much to stimulate my mind. You know, the hardest part of my job right now is political. It's just dealing with the the BS and trying to manage the people above me and you know, look good for whoever and whatever. And, and by the way, that's not my favorite game. Mm-hmm. So th- that stuff was mentally drained. But what I was doing in terms of intellect was just not hard. I was filling out spreadsheets, adding numbers, you know, stuff that you learn in like elementary school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, man, I, I need to do something to to keep sharp and just to, to have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Because this work thing is not it. I don't want to become depressed. Yeah. So, so I've always been somebody who did things on the side anyway, whether it was web design, graphic design, or whatever. Um, so I ended up running into this, somebody who was talking about making mobile apps using outsourcers. And I ran into him, actually, when I was doing research for my previous idea, which failed. Mm-hmm. So like I, I think I told you. I'm not sure if I told you, but no, I, I want to like combine. <laughs> I want to create this web portal or this e-commerce site to com- combine social media with women shoe shopping. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> and the reason why I came to that idea is because the previous thing I, I had done, I ran into trouble with on the demand side. Like I made something that nobody really wanted that much. So I was like, all right, this time I'm going to make something that's in demand. Mm-hmm. I was like, women love shoes. I, I know it for a fact. This <laughs> uh-huh. is a fact. So um, I was trying to trying to build this, this portal, ran into a problem on that because I realized, man, like I just don't have any passion for this product and this service. I'm, I'm going to, and I didn't see the path to revenue or profitability. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to burn out here. I need to switch lane. But as I was researching internet marketing, I ran into this internet marketer guy who was starting to look at the the mobile app space. And I was like, wow, you know, this is interesting. He was talking about building a game and he he didn't know how to program, but he was he figured out how to use 
an outsourcing site called Odesk mm-hmm. and had a hire. Odesk is a game changer, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he, he was using Odesk to hire folks overseas to help him to do the programming and, and bring his vision to life. And so I was following this guy for months, just watching his progress. And he would give reports on on how things were going, how much money he was making, and just being very open and transparent. Then a few few months down the road, he decides, hey, I'm, I'm going to offer a course. I'm going to offer a course to teach exactly what I'm doing and, and how I'm doing it. So, you know, if you pay this price, you could you can also learn this skill. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just ready for anything else at that point. And I, I was looking at the opportunity, the things he was saying make sense. I, I, I kind of looked him up and did some some background checking on Google and everything. And, and it just seemed like in things that he had done in the past, people were giving good reviews about well, him. He's legit because, you know, now in the day, everybody and their mama had online yeah, courses, yeah. $797, $197, all yeah. this stuff. And it's like they have these outrageous taglines, <laughs> these testimonials. But then you research yeah. the testimonials, like, yo, I don't even, that person that, that testified, I don't even have an active website. Like, right, how are you charging? Right, right. But yeah, back to the story, back to the story. Yeah. So I, I looked into him. I looked into him mm-hmm. and I, I noticed that there were people that, Spent money with him. They were still his friends. Oh, right? that, Oh, that's a killer right there. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they, they spent money with him, and they still spoke highly of him. And you know, were, were ready to get online and spend more money with him. And there were people who had achieved results with him. What's his so freaking I, name? My bad. <laughs> so his name is Trey Smith. Uh-huh. He, he's actually. I had him on on my podcast on uh, I think it was episode ten, I think. And this guy has started. Four multi-million dollar companies, all bootstrapped. He's raised no money for them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, just hustled his way to the top. So I, I, you know, I took that course with him and that was the start of my learning. I, I took another course with this other guy named Chad Moretta. He's written this book called App Empire. That's mm-hmm. a very, very influential book among app entrepreneurs. And... Um, after those courses, I was like, all right, look, like I need to stop spending money <laughs> and I need to just make something happen at this point, start putting things into practice. So I just mm-hmm. started started working on it um, for for a few months until we were able to get something live. And you know, obviously that's abbreviated, but we, we can go anyway with that you want to. Yeah, because I know. So how many times did it take from starting to making something live and about how much did it cost you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I let's see. The I started off. I said I wanted to. I don't know how I came up with this idea, but I was I was like I want to make the game Mario Kart, but for mobile. I guess because it was I was looking for something that was already proven to be popular. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know I want to take a proven idea that I I could kind of improve on, and so. Started with that idea. I hired a programmer on Odesk. This guy was a student in Thailand, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I hired an artist. My first artist was from Hong Kong. I, I think either Hong Kong or China. Mm-hmm. Good artist did not really speak English. So that was a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because, you know, we couldn't communicate. And so that that just added a lot of time to it. So we had to part ways on that. Found another artist. Uh, 
maybe in the Philippines or something like that. And I, I believe I spent about like $600, $650 on the programmer for this project. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, not at all. I, I don't want to discount and say it's no money, but it's inexpensive for, mm-hmm. for, for programming. But part of the reason is because he was a, a student and he, he, he just didn't have that much in his portfolio. He had some good stuff in his portfolio, but he wasn't. But he took a risk. It was like, yo, it was a risk for you and, and who's starting up like just like anybody, like as a speaker. I might have the most talent in the world as a speaker, but if I only got two gigs under my belt, I can't yeah. say I need 10000 a gig. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, I, I looked, I played the stuff in his portfolio. I was like, okay, it looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, and I, I can get them at a, a good price where it cost me is just, it took a long time just with him being, you know, having to devote so much time to school and everything. So, um, it ended up taking like six, seven, seven months for that, mm-hmm. which isn't, isn't terrible, but it, it wasn't the, the level of game that we were making just wasn't six, that <laughs> What's that? It just wasn't six or seven months worth of work. Right, 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 right. And, and to be honest, a lot of that was my fault being inexperienced. There's so many, a, a lot of times, inexperienced entrepreneurs don't want to just put stuff out on the market. Mm-hmm. They, they want to keep on tweaking and testing and changing things that don't really matter. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's what I was, I was like, hey, let's change that character's mustache or something. <laughs> <laughs> A silly example, but stuff like that. Man. I was just, <laughs> just changing around all kinds of stuff that was not going to affect the bottom line success of the game. When I should have been getting it, trying to just get it out on the market and, mm-hmm. and just learn, right? Mm-hmm. So for, for like anybody, anybody who's getting in, in apps or entrepreneur anyway, I, I would just say like speed is critical and, you know, don't be afraid. Try to just get your stuff out there so you can get some feedback and then start making it better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started watching folks who were in my class and, you know, thank goodness they had that community around the class who were putting out stuff that was not as good as what, what I had. They were just putting out stuff, but because they were moving with speed, they were making money. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I, I need to learn from that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I started to just re- release myself so I get feedback from the market and, and find my niche and, you know, I, I didn't hit immediate success. I think my first month of having that game live, I made about $50, something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote about this one time, so yeah. I got the it's written down. And, so, I'll, and I'll definitely link to that uh, the article you're, oh, you mentioned yeah. and your show in the show notes, but yeah. You're the man, you're the man. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't making a ton of money off the bat, but I still had that pride from like, yeah, you know, I did it, it's live. How many people have an app up? So I, I could show my parents, show my friends, and I, I just thought it was cool. But then after that, I had to, to think about how are we going to make this more successful? How are we going to get more downloads? So I'm just watching what other people around me are doing, who is being successful, and how can I be more like them? Mm-hmm. More like them? And I think that that's always valid <laughs> no matter what you're doing, what you're in. You want to look for the the... the the, you want to look for evidence of success and then look for what are their methods and mm-hmm. then h- how can you emulate those methods and, you know, how can you also emulate and take it to the next level? So I, I was just, I was like, all right, so a lot of these folks are making games. Let me try to, to make some games. I tried some entertainment apps, some, uh, what else, photography apps. 
And just looking at my results, I saw that I was doing the best with the games. So I was like, okay, okay, let's let's stick with games. Let's make more games. And you know, all all the while, I'm I'm studying a lot about the market. You know, by this time, you know, second month, third month, I was able to start making couple hundred or a thousand bucks and I'm just studying about marketing. I'm really not spending time socializing. You know, I'm, I'm before work, I'm hitting my programmers overseas. I'm talking to the artists, lunch break, doing the same. After work, come home, read about how to get more downloads or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, study the app store charts. I'm just immersed in this thing. I'm, I'm obsessed. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, so yeah, just kept on doing that. Kept on getting incremental bumps. Get it from like one thousand to two thousand. Then we hit December, which is like six months in, and I launched a few games in December, and I guess things just started to come together. You you hit a turning point, and things took off for me, and I, I started like making seeing numbers I hadn't seen before. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there. I, I, I going back to school for our. African American MBA students conference. I'm mm-hmm. sitting there in the thing. I'm hitting re- refresh on my dashboard for my my ads and everything, and I see like, wow, okay, I've made a couple hundred bucks today. Like I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And the numbers just kept going up and up. And I think that day I probably hit like I don't know four hundred, five hundred dollars, or maybe more. I don't know, but wh- whatever it was, it was just something I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And and that weekend, I kept seeing the same thing. And I started to do the math. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is more than I make at work. <laughs> if if we if we average it out, I'm like, wow, that's that's it. Okay, but this could be a fluke because I just started. So let's let's see what's going on. And so I, I kind of just stuck with it, um, worked on some more games because a lot of the games that I was making, what I was doing, I was able to put them out pretty quickly. Because I was buying source code that was already completed and then just having somebody work on the graphics and then have the programmer change up a few things about the game, mm-hmm. maybe add a few things to make it a little bit better. But this method of production severely reduced the cost and reduced the time to market. Mm-hmm. So but, you but, got a lot more efficient with the process. So now, like nowadays, how long does it take to kind of to get the app on the market? Oh well, now so I'm I'm not doing the same thing that I did. Okay, yeah. So you, you my bad. You, I know you was wrapping up. So you see these dings coming in, and then it, like yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Like so, you went from four hundred, five hundred. Were you making almost like a thousand dollars a day doing this? Um, at, at, at certain points, at certain points, I was making more, man. Um, <laughs> that's insane. Y- like, yeah. So I, I mean, that, that's and what you start to realize is. <laughs> so one time I had this. Uh, it's funny. I had an interview with with. TechCrunch one time because I had I had a game that really took off and it, it hit the top ten in Apple top ten games wow. and it was like top twenty of all apps so it, it was doing really well Good. I mean, really well that's like yeah. all time well dude <laughs> it, it was that that was uh that was epic when it was going on just you know you can imagine how much I was hitting refresh on all my screen <laughs> and um so like. That thing was going crazy. It was making like uh, more money than I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I mean, what you start to realize is that 
you, you got to put all this stuff in. There, there are a lot of people who are making a lot more money and people who are making less or whatever. But, you know, I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. So the, the person at, at TechCrunch, we're going through the interview. They asked me, like, okay, so, you know, this is doing well. How much money are you making? And then the biggest mistake I made is I just told her. <laughs> because uh-huh. after that came out, then everybody's just coming up to me thinking that, like, yo, Mario's rich, you know? <laughs> and, uh. you know, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I do, I, I did well with it. I made money with it. Um, but it, it's like, they're, they're ups and downs to the thing. So it's like, because I, I made that amount that day or that month or whatever, it doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's a whole, it's a whole game. It's a whole, it's a whole flow. But yeah, that, that was quite, Quite an experience. Quite an yeah, experience. Yeah, man. So, so let's transition. So, when did you leave? Like you said, you, so you said you got out of that, right? So, I, I got out of doing it in that exact model. So they call that model reskinning. Mm-hmm. But I mentioned, you know, buying the code and repurposing it and upgrading it. I, I don't really operate like that anymore. I, I, I'm more so. I sold that portfolio that I had to another entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and the way I'm approaching it now is to create stuff in partnership with people who have large audiences. So like different celebrities or different online influencers work with them on apps. Like I just created an emoji app with somebody and um, working with some NFL guy to do a game. So it's all about, you know, working with somebody who can bring a lot of marketing power to the table. Mm-hmm. I'll bring the, the app side and my expertise in that to the table. And then we create something that's going to be a win-win for both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but I'm not I'm not doing the same thing where it's going to be a super quick turnaround because <clears throat> I'm working with a code that's already done. Yeah, so why'd you why'd you why'd you get out of that game though? Like, because I mean, if it, it was working, I mean, why why yeah, why yeah. leave? Well, the 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 you know markets change. I, I think that was a young, immature market, and like there there the way it was was a little bit unnatural, where there were people. Who were making money, like doing stuff that shouldn't shouldn't have been making money. But mm-hmm. it's just it was such a wild west marketplace, and you could throw something up, put a few ads in it, and make money. Th- that wasn't what I was doing. Like I, I was creating stuff. I was creating games that people did enjoy. They were simple, um, but they were well done, had good graphics, and um, whatever. But it, it's still the the level of stuff that I was creating. Is not something that I think I could scale. It still makes money because I still watch. I watch the rankings every now and then. I'll, I'll log into different sites and look at where my apps are at. They're, they're still ranked and they're still steady. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it would be difficult to take it to another level with that same approach. Right? Yeah. That there wasn't a lot of room for growth. Maybe maybe linear growth, but it, it would take a ton of effort. But no way to to go to the next level. Not like I want to find a way to go to the next level. Got you, and I, and I read somewhere too that uh, you turned down some seven figure offers for the company. Yeah, uh, so that was some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, like what? Like walk us through that. Like this is like I said, yeah. this is new territory for the Minority Trouble League podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was that was new territory for me too, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was a that was a crazy experience, but a very valuable one for me and for my confidence. Mm-hmm. And what was going on there? That was like early in the game. And it was around Christmas time, and I'm Christmas is a big time in the app store. 
because everybody's getting new devices. So you, you have the biggest traffic days around Christmas time and like up to January 1st, maybe a little bit after. So I was trying to get as many apps live as I could and working real hard. I got a phone call from from somebody, ends up being this guy who was part of my mastermind group. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I had an app mastermind group that I become a part of with all, a bunch of people who were doing pretty well just to share secrets and strategies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he hits me up and long story short, he lets me know that he wants to buy my company. <laughs> and I, I was I was really confused because, hey, this thing was live for six months. Like we just barely started to see success. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, you know, is this a scam? I started thinking about scam. Like, even though I know you from the mastermind group, I don't really know you. So mm-hmm. like, what's going on? But so what, what happened is he had gone... He, I guess he's been an entrepreneur for a while. He'd gone to Korea and raised money from a Korean businessman. The guy gave him like um, one and a half million dollars to go buy some like small to medium size app portfolios and try to mold it into a company and then make something of that company. And Mm -hmm. so he, he sold this guy this whole dream, I suppose. And so he, he was trying to execute on it. So he wanted me to be a part of it. I, I was, you know, it, it was just, I was skeptical of the whole thing just because I never heard of anybody trying to do something like that. Yeah. Especially, for, you know, you've just been doing something for a short amount of time. And you get a million dollars. You're like, this is what? Oh, well, how much? So the, the first offer wasn't even for a million. The, the first offer was, I said it wasn't even for a million. <laughs> that mm-hmm. sounds funny. But um, the, the first offer was, that it was going to be $400,000, you know, which, by the way, I think is a nice chunk of change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh, it was going to be $400,000, going to give $200,000 up front, and then $200,000 was going to be in stock for his company. And uh-huh. I, I was going to become part, part owner of that company. And I guess I would hold more equity than anybody else. I think I would hold equal, equal equity to him. Mm-hmm. And more than anybody else. And, you know, I'm there thinking about, you know, one of, one of the things I'm thinking about is like, hey, I just, you know, I'm just getting used to being my own boss. Do I really want to kind of go into somebody else's thing right now? And I, I wasn't sure I did. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, he was like half cash, half stock. And I just kept kind of pushing it off, slowing the, the thing down and being like, hey, I need time to decide. You know, my, my thing is just starting. I'm not sure. Thank you for the offer. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, but by the way, I'm also looking at it like my, my, my company is making a lot of money right now. Uh-huh. So it's quite possible I could just make that money myself this year mm-hmm. and not have any need for any of that. So that, that's, that's another thing I was looking at. So I, I keep... I keep kind of like holding him at bay. Like, I don't want to do it. He keeps hitting me up. Like, the more I'm like, no, the more he's like, <laughs> you know, just, just trying to trying to get me to do the deal. I, I think that what he had, he, he and his business partner just saw that I was good at, I, I was good at figuring out how to get the apps to rank. Mm-hmm. And if you get the apps to rank, then you can get downloads. And if you get, get downloads, then, you know, you're going to make money. So they wanted their expertise to be part of their team. And they had a whole bunch of programmers who've been in the industry for years and years. So their thought was like, hey, we'll combine this programming talent, you know, on- onshore Canada folks, like high caliber programmers, 
with this marketing talent and like we'll have a big win. Um, but yeah, I kept I kept holding them off. They, they wanted, as I mentioned, they were in Canada. So they wanted me to move to Canada, be part of that company. So Oh, so it was a whole kit and caboodle. It wasn't like, oh, cash out million dollars. It was like yeah, you were going to be yeah. a part of it. Like this is I, I, I was going to be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like no matter what, I was going to get the cash out front. But the, the, the stock part was dependent on, you know, me remaining a part of the company for a certain amount of time. And then, yeah, I was supposed to be part of the whole deal. So mm-hmm. that was another factor against it. But me and my lady, we actually did end up going to Canada to meet with them. And, uh, you know, that actually convinced me, okay, that it's actually a legit operation. I saw the people working with them. I spoke to them. I saw um, they were trying to buy office space at the time. Um, So, yeah, I I got to check that out. But I was still like, after all that, I was like, hey, I appreciate everything, guys. But I'm still not sure. Like, let's just let's just give this some time to play out. Right. Mm hmm. But he keeps putting the pressure. They decide that they're going to now up the offer. Now it's six hundred. They're going to give me three hundred up front and three hundred on the back end, right? Uh-huh. So I never saw any. I'm like, wow. So you know, I just did I just earn earn a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars just like that. Uh-huh. Is that is that how it works? Um, so th- they offer that, and I'm still like. Like I said, my company's still doing good. I I kind of I'm kind of kind of want to look at that. Like we just started out, so I'm still like I don't know, guys. Like I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they they end up dropping the they drop the terms that I need to move to Canada. So wow. it was just like concessions, concessions, concessions. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like and that that's one thing, man. One thing that I realized from that situation and certain things that happened after, if you contrast that with the me trying to get a job, <laughs> you know, scenario. It was just a whole different deal. And the thing is, like, if if you if you do something, if you're exceptional at something, right, and people can see that, and, and you can prove it, and it's out there, then you know you no longer have to really sell yourself like that, right? Um, it's like people will try to sell you. And so that, that was just a whole whole different thing. And so after that 300 and 300, then they were like, hey, if you don't like that, we can structure it as they were like, you know, we can give you 1.1. But in order for you to get the 1.1, there were a whole bunch of different hurdles that that I needed to meet Mm -hmm. in terms of my performance. So when I actually looked at it and did the math, I was like, man, for me to get that 1.1, it's like if, if, if I hit that. I think I would earn just about as much on yeah, my own. Yeah, on my own. Like, it's like, if I'm right. hitting those numbers, golly, yeah, like, yeah, I might yeah, as well yeah. just... <laughs> just the, the way it was structured. So, I, I didn't like... The, the one, I, the deal I liked the best that they offered, and if I was to take any, it would have been the 300 and 300. But <laughs> this whole thing kind of drove me crazy because it was the kind of thing... I couldn't even really get that great advice f- from my parents on it because it's like they'd never been through that. You know what I mean? Like, they can give me advice and tell me what they think, but it's like... They really haven't been through it. So it was t- tough. And I actually, when I got back from Canada, I t- took a couple of days off from work just to call out, called in sick because like my brain was on fire. I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So all this was happening while you were still working with Microsoft? Yeah. Yeah. Bro, was, this is, this is, this story is too unreal. Okay. <laughs> I, I hadn't let it go because it so was still just getting checks on checks on checks on checks. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, that part was nice. That part was nice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I won't lie to you. That part was nice. Um, 
so I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm just thinking about it. And I think after a couple of days, like maybe the third day I woke up and I just had something hit me. And I was like, you know what? I just need to bet on myself. Like mm-hmm. no matter what happens, I need to, to bet on myself and just believe that I'm about to do it. And, you know, if I do things the way that I need to do things, this is not going to be the last time that I have the opportunity to get $1 million. In fact, you know, a million dollars is not going to be a big deal to me mm-hmm. if I execute the way I need to execute. Right. So I, I just I kind of had that that moment and I called them back up and I was like, listen, you know, I really appreciate everything, but this is what I'm I'm going to do just because I, I need to see where this is going to go for me. Mm-hmm. And he had to respect that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, it, it's it's not something it's really not something that I regret at all. You know, I was able to make plenty of plenty of money working on my own. And then just even more than that, just what it did, just just having to, I guess, face myself and have that confidence did something for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's... And, and I, I, <laughs> sorry to cut you off there. I, I always knew that no matter what happens, like I'm going to be able to tell people that I walked away from that. And, you know, that it just seemed cool to me. You know what I mean? So. That's, that's a good tagline right there. Like, and, and I love it because in this podcast, this interview in general, this is not all these are not fluff tagline. Like you could tell by the details you're going into and in these stories and, and kind of what you do. This is not because you, you see all online these stories of people that did X, Y, and Z, but you look at the details, it's like that doesn't even match up. Like so before so, <laughs> like the, so the, after, the Ryan Lochte story. <laughs> yeah, like it's it doesn't even add up. Like with and this especially in this spate with the influencers, bloggers, whatever. And then you meet people that really are do it because you know after after you kind of transition, you're still su- succeeding, and even before that, so that seemed to hear not there. And so let's let's transition a little bit, a little, uh, a little bit, a little bit. Let's transition <laughs> to how do you even become a writer for Huffington Post? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, okay. So after I sold the app company, so you ended up selling it. Yeah, I, I did end up selling it. I ended up selling it. That was like more than so that that initial offer happened around the turn of. 2013, I ended up selling it two years later, Mm -hmm. right? So after I've been doing it for a while, and as I mentioned, I just started to realize that I wasn't going to be able to to get to another level doing what I was doing, and I just needed to to do something different. Ended up getting the offer, numbers were kind of right, so, um, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it it was time to go, time to go. So after I sold it, you know, took a little bit of time off to think, and I was just trying to figure out what's next. And I, I knew that. So the reason why I loved doing what I was doing before with the apps is because it gave me freedom, you know, freedom of time, freedom of movement and just doing my own thing type of thing. But what I didn't get from it was like value. It wasn't contributing value to society. It wasn't doing anything for anybody else, really. You know what I mean? I was just making money from ads. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, what can I do that is going to, like, how can I create something that's going to be not only profitable, but also valuable and around for a long time? So I came to the, eventually came to the idea, this took a while, that I wanted to create something that, that was going to, I want to create like a community and a resource that's going to help people 
to learn about entrepreneurship, to motivate them to believe that they could do more things by exposing them to, to different, you know, kind of like how you expose people to different yeah. stories. Um, and yeah, just provide that, that whole type of vibe of education and, and motivation and that type of deal. Right. And then just figure out different ways to, to monetize that. Right. Mm-hmm. So started building this community. I, I have this, this Facebook group, um, for entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, um, came up with the idea for a podcast and then, you know, I've just been trying to build different parts of the community to all tie in together. And so part of that was, hey, I, I want to start blogging and I don't want to just do that on my blog. I also want to take advantage of some of these popular blogs with more more traffic and more prestige um, to get my stuff out there. And so one day I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember which one, but I heard this guy talking about how he was able to get on the Huffington Post and into some other publications. And it's funny because he literally just sent an email to to Ariana Huffington, mm-hmm. right? He just looked up her email, sent her an email, and was like, hey, here's why I would be good for the Huffington Post. I have dope content, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let, let me try that. And I did exactly that, <laughs> and I got the, the same result. And it's funny because since then, there have been a number of people who've asked me, you know, th- they'll see on LinkedIn or whatever. So you like, just email Adrian Huffington. Yeah, I email Ariana. Like her, her email is well, it's not hard to find. You Google it, you find it. It's yeah. like right there. So I, I just I just emailed her, gave her like a sample of the stuff that I, I written, and then talked about some of the results that I've seen. You know, just try to put my best foot forward, make it really concise. I'm like, okay, this is like a nine figure CEO, right? Mm-hmm. Right? She probably doesn't have a lot of time. Um, so let me just make it real short, get to the point, and show her. You know, their whole deal, HuffPo and, and people like HuffPo, is they need good content, mm-hmm. right? They have the name, but they, they need content and as much of it as possible. So if you can convince them that you have content that's compelling, that's going to bring people to their site, then sure, they'll give you a spot because they just want more content. So that, that's that's the pitch I made. And it, it, like she got back to me in a, a couple of days. They probably have somebody else managing that whole email yeah. <laughs> situation. <laughs> and um, I think they send out an automated response. I, I realized this after the fact, after, you know, I had a couple of friends that tried the same thing and got got the same response. <laughs> um, <laughs> you like, everybody, everybody in, everybody right above the post now. <laughs> so it, it's, it's like, it's, it's attainable. It's like, you just have to, you just have to reach out and try. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it's, I think it's a good lesson there too, that, you know, sometimes you should just try things because there's not that the, the downside there is, I don't know, I'd be sad because you didn't answer my email. And the upside is exactly what happened. Like I, I got a spot in the Huffington post and then, you know, you can leverage that spot into some other, th- it's a great, it's been a great networking tool as far as just getting, being able to talk to people that I want to talk to. And um, so, yeah, I definitely encourage for anybody out there, you know, don't don't ever think that somebody is above you or won't talk to you. They might not. They, they might not respond. They might not have time or whatever. But there's no harm in just trying. 
Yeah, that makes me feel bad because I don't be responding to some emails. And I got Ariana Huffington responding to emails. It's like, great. Like, <laughs> she, 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 um, she probably has more help than you do. Yeah, a lot I, more help. I don't think she was like, oh, she, I don't think she went through your page, looked at, your, looked at some interviews online, did some research. Like, oh, I think you would be great. But that's yeah. cool. That's cool. That's cool, man. And briefly, can you talk about um, your 10X rule for, for reaching out to influencers? Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, I, I know I saw that mentioned on one of your interviews. I was like, "What is that?" That sounds something that our audience can benefit from. So I, I read this. I read this book. I, I wouldn't call it my ten x rule. There's a book called the ten x rule by author Grant Cardone. Oh, okay, okay, Grant Cardone. Yeah. He's a he's Grant Cardone. Yep. Yeah, he, he, he's a beast as far as entrepreneur. You know, some I don't agree with everything. Yeah, I don't agree. With- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think that. I listen to him because he provides a lot of inspiration for entrepreneurs and like I can always turn on his show and just get in the zone and get hype. And his book is like, you know, I read the first chapter of it and I was just ready to go through a wall to be successful. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, his whole his whole thing. I mean, there's a lot to the 10x rule. Like the 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 first part of it is that you want to set your goals 10 times as high as you think you should Mm -hmm. and then put in 10 times as much effort as you normally would. Right. So to, to really ground that and make it concrete, that's like, if you're a salesperson and you think that it's going to take you three sales calls to land the deal, right. Based on averages, then you want to go out there and like make 30, 40 calls, Mm -hmm. right. To make sure that you're not just competing, but you're going to like dominate everybody. Right. So Mm -hmm. just having that kind of attitude has helped me a lot. And then in terms of reaching out to people and having fear. So the whole thing about fear is that you got to realize that it's an indicator that you're you're doing something that's uncomfortable and doing something yeah, just uncomfortable outside of your comfort zone. And a lot of times those things are good. You know, not not all fear is good. You know, there <laughs> some fears you should pay attention to should go away from. But, you know, a lot of times if you just sit down and evaluate it, you just uncertain because it's something you somewhere you haven't gone before and you know you're afraid of rejection or something like that so when is that like based on what the book told me and um what just what i think is true now you should take that as indicator to just move forward towards it so what'll happen with me is you know i'll think about reaching out to somebody maybe it'll be gary v maybe it'll be you know eric thomas or mark Zucker, i don't know whoever and then i'll, I'll have a, a pang of thought just like Hey, are they going to get back to me? You know, who am I to do it? And that's when I know I have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then the the second part of that, you know, with fear, it's like you want to cut time out of the equation. Is something that he says in the book. So you, you just want to move into action as quickly as possible because all that time does is going to make you it's going to make you hesitate and just think things over and possibly backtrack. So you just want to go from having that thought like, hey, this might be a good idea to, to doing it as quickly as possible. And yeah, if if you just repeat that over and over with people that you want to meet, like um, who are big in your field, your profession or who you look up to, you want them to mentor. Like, of course, you're going to get you're going to get some no's. You're going to get a lot of no responses, but you're going to get more yeses than you would not trying. Yeah, that's so I, I that's think, a rule for for anybody in any yeah. profession or anything. Just and I like the way you broke that down. Matter of fact, 
Um, I'm a, I, I gotta re-listen to that part on this podcast because I mean I think sometimes I shoot a lot of J's. Some some days I'm Steph Curry with the rock. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. days I'm just LeBron with it. I don't want to shoot through. I want to just do layups. <laughs> I just want to get to the free throw line. So Bro, I my, think my, my my thing though is like even if you can't be Curry because like Curry he's pulling up but he he's in like forty five percent of his threes yeah. right. <laughs> but like I'm like just be Iverson man like buy you <laughs> just keep put like Iverson ain't gonna stop shooting just because or you know Kobe yeah. Like, Kobe, you won't see Kobe go one for six, right? Mm-hmm. You might see him go two, two for two for twenty five, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, six, six for six for twenty seven, right? But he's not going to stop shooting, and I think that that is that's how you have to be. Like you still have to retain that tenacity, even if things aren't going for you the right way. I, I, I have a friend of mine, so he recently. He also has been in the ad business. He, he kind of like followed me into the ad business and he sold his company a little while ago and he moved into the next thing. So he's building another company. Mm-hmm. But in the process of building this company, you know, he's had to do a, a lot of sales work and, and he's doing business to business stuff. So it's like a longer sales cycle, a lot of talking to people, a lot of people saying no, a lot of like people saying maybe, <laughs> a lot of getting stronger along. And he's just had to do this day after day after day. I think just today he got his first person who was like, they want to sign up two of their corporate centers onto his plan. Mm-hmm. They want to pay $10,000 per employee, uh, per, per their employees to his company, something like that. I don't know. But anyway, it was a big breakthrough. <laughs> but in order for him to get there, he just had to keep on like shooting. Like mm-hmm. he, he got shot down a lot of times. So yeah, that's, that's man. This is this is progress encouraging. He, he encouraging. This is this is this is this is this has been phenomenal thus far, man. Oh, thank you, man. It, it is. It really has been, dog. And question two, and I want you to share um, about Daily Spark podcast. Um, yeah, real yeah, briefly, yeah. Uh, why you even got in that space, and more about that platform. Oh, absolutely, man. So I, I think what I'm trying to do is very much similar to what you're trying to accomplish here, man. Mm-hmm. I just, I want people to, all right, well, let me backtrack a little bit. I, I, I kind of, I feel like I've been fortunate over the last few years and, and I've just gotten to do some amazing things. Like I, I have a lot of control over what I, I do every day. And like, I just feel blessed in that respect. And it's like, I want to, I want to share that feeling. And I want people to know that it's like, it's possible Anything that you want to do is is possible. Not easy, but it's it's possible. It's attainable, and so I'm trying to uncover different examples of people who are living that and doing things that are inspiring. You know, building companies, building nonprofits, and just like really going into their stories, their strategies, showing exactly how they accomplished it, showing where they came from, you know, what they were doing before Mm -hmm. they were this big deal person. And then just trying to trying to give you a taste of how you might be able to accomplish something like that, too, and and what it actually takes. So Mm -hmm. that that's really in a nutshell what it is. Right. Yeah. That's really my perspective on it. And I'm I'm just trying to really spread that as far and as wide as I can. And I think it's important for for people in communities like ours to to know that you you know what I mean. Just a lot of a lot of the work that I've done. Um, I think it's it's important to pe- see for people to see people like you and I, right? Mm-hmm. Face like you and I. we're young black men, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at the space, like technology, you don't see a lot of 
um, you don't see a lot of young black people in, in technology. And um, I don't think that that should be as, as entrepreneurs, you know, um, they're, they're definitely more. But I think I think there there could be more than there are. And I, I want people to consider that and, and not think that it's beyond them. And, you know, when it comes to like stuff like mobile, you'll see us as heavy consumers we will be the biggest consumers out there on top of every app and everything. But like, I want to say, Hey, you know, we can also be on the producer side and and be part of the, the people making the wealth. Right. Mm -hmm. So these are all kind of the things that drive me. I think it's important. Um, I think it's important for our community, even for people, you know, my show is not only for black people or anything like that. I talk Mm -hmm. to everybody, but that's, that's something that's near and dear to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. That's great, man. And um, last question before we go to a future round in the rapid change round, man, is um, what is a typical what is a day like for you, though, man? Because I feel, I feel like you're involved in a lot. You're, you're managing. So do you manage the Facebook community all by yourself? Um, So I, I have some folks that they help me out as ambassadors. How long have you been d- doing the Facebook community group? Um, I started growing that, I believe, towards the end of February. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's. It's now, I think we we just hit like twelve hundred members, and they are, and they engaged members. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I it's just, nice. I just join, man. Make sure they add me, dog. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll add you right now. <laughs> so it's cool because like people will ask questions, and other people will will give detailed answers to them based on their experience. But you know, it, it, it's it's something that's been working well. But you always want to take it to the next level. So I, I'm always thinking about like how can I. Just make it a, a bet. I was I was thinking about this just earlier today. Like, you know, can I come up with some type of challenge that's going to make more people peop- more people engage? And like, you know, what do people really need from this community and stuff like that? But yeah, it, it's um compared to I've been in a lot of different Facebook groups. There's some Facebook groups where you'll never see anything but a promotion. Mm-hmm. But like, you'll see stuff in Daily Spark every single day of people just asking questions and interacting. So it's been. It's been it's been pretty cool, and and the part I actually love about it most is that I get messages, like people will hit me up sometimes and just be like, "Yo, this thing is changing my life," or like, it, it you know, um, somebody told me that she was just getting ready to quit on the entrepreneurship thing, and like Daily Spark came along and changed that for her, and I'm like, man, you know, and, and I got that that feedback from this other guy who I go into to Princeton with, and we we weren't like really friends we were acquaintances um but like we, we reconnected on facebook and he was like it, it just helped to show him that there were other people out there who thought like him and who wanted to hustle and create some and so like me hearing stuff like that is amazing and, and like people will give me the we have an instagram page as well and sometimes i i just get in in the zone of just growing it right it's it's like an inspirational thing i'll just put out different messages that i curate from other pages or stuff that we create about entrepreneurship, about, you know, getting past failure, mm-hmm. doing lifelong learning, just getting that kind of message out. And I'll just get into the whole zone and growing the page and the mechanics and like, what, what numbers are we doing? And I'll forget that people, it means something to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so p- people, people will hit me up like, yo, your page is the best page, man. <laughs> like your page keeps me going. Like, hey, I, I just decided, I was talking yesterday, this kid sent me a business plan, 15 year old kid. Mm-hmm. 
Like, he was like, can you look at my business plan? I was like, yeah, young man, I can look at your business plan. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at it, gave him a, a real c- couple quick tips, gave him some books to read and everything. And like, I, I love that stuff, man. You know, that's better than anything in the world to me. Man, that's that's fantastic, man. And um, as we transition, and it's cra- yeah, as we transition to the future, man, what's next for you in 2017, though? 2017. So, I mean, I'm still all about the Daily Spark like trying to trying to grow that, grow the podcast, grow the community. Eventually, my vision for that is to really make it into a network for entrepreneurship. Like, you know, just think about kind of like a growth, like a startup grind and all those other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, along those lines, just something very. So if you're thinking about entrepreneurship, bootstrapping companies, you know, um, motivation, success, then Daily Spark should be part of the conversation. So I want to continue to to grow it. I want to get in front of a million people. So, you know, got got a lot of work to do there, but uh, de- definitely hustling on it. Then, you know, continuing in the app game, continue to form partnerships. Right now, I'm, I'm working on some really big partnerships with some emoji apps that I I'm actually need to, to try to close close some of these deals. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that's a lane I really like right now. I got into that because I, I just saw what was going on with, with like Kim Kardashian having emoji app that Steph Curry came out with one during the finals. And so He's Justin cool. Bieber and Rick Ross and Amber. So I was like, all right, something going on here. Uh-huh. And um, I, I knew that it's something that, you know, I, I could do at a high level with the team that I have. So we started doing that, and I'm just pursuing different relationships to to build that into, you know, another company. Man, that's you. So how do you balance like the building of Daily Spark Media? Do you like have a set in times during the day where you do Daily Spark stuff, and then other time you do business stuff, or do you structure it that way? You just go ahead and just hang it to do list and go get it. So what I do, I like to structure it. Like I'll make plans for the long term, mm-hmm. so I'll know what I want to achieve. You know, what I want to achieve long term, what I want to achieve in five years, this year, you know, um, 90 days, one month, uh, this week, today. But then on a daily basis, I'll, I'll have the tasks in front of me and I'll try to identify, you know, the tasks for, for, for both initiatives and also anything going on that's outside of that. And just try to figure out, OK, what's the one thing? that I need to work on today that's going to give me the most mileage and make everything else easier, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then focus on that. So, and, you just, so you, it's really, so say with Daily say for example, say Daily Spark, yeah. would it be this one day I want to implement strategies on just growing the Instagram, I want to set everything up for a week? Or would it be like Instagram, then I'm look at the Facebook community, then I'm going to look at this, then I'm look at that. It's just usually just one thing. So it's it's really going to be one thing. I, I can have a lot of different things written out, and I normally will. You know, I I have different things on the list, but I know that if I if I kill this one thing today, right? If I uh, you know, for example, maybe it's I, I want to I need to um, structure a course that I'm working on. If I knock out structuring that course, then I've had a successful day. Doesn't mean necessarily that I'm going to kick my feet up and stop working. <laughs> That's not usually the way it goes, but. I can at least feel good about today and know that I did what I set out to do. 
And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes if, if I'm feeling like I need to have that rest, or I need to like recharge, maybe I will slow down. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but luckily you've, been, you've, you're, due to tumultuous success, you can, uh, you can afford, you've, you've afforded yourself through that luxury, through hard work. But I mean, I feel like, so it's not as I'm a grind, grind, even when I'm like done. Cause I know sometimes you have to be like, you're, you check out mentally a little bit. Right. Yeah. So like most of the time I feel like, I think it's because I really enjoy, like, I'm really believing in what I'm doing and I really in, enjoy what I'm doing. And also, I just really want to be successful at it. So it's not hard for me to continue just going on and on. But then, yeah, like you said, at the same time, no matter who you are and no matter how much you love it, you're just going to hit that wall sometimes, right? Where you just don't have any more to give. And at that point, um, it's important to just, back off and, and let yourself recover, recharge your batteries so, so that you have you have something to give to people and, and so that you don't die. <laughs> yeah, yep. straight like that, man. That's phenomenal, man. And last question from the future round. When it's all said and done though, how do you want to be remembered? Yeah, okay. Now that that's a that's a great question. Um so I, I really think I, I want people to just to, to look at me as somebody that's, that's had a lot of impact on a lot of other people and just helped a lot of other people to succeed. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately, that, that's what I want. I want to be able to help. Obviously, my family. You know, I I, I don't I, I don't want my family to have to go without anything. I want to be able to help the communities that I'm a part of. I, I want to be able to make an impact on this country. I want to be able to make an impact on you know, my other country, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want to have as much impact in the world as I possibly can. And just looking at, you know, I, I just believe that because there are other people out there that have had massive impact and they're just people just like me, just like you, it, it means that, you know, we can do it too. So I, I, I want to have, I want to be able to have that same level of impact in terms of just helping people as much as I can, you know what I mean? I think that's really it. If people say that about me when I'm going, I'll be really happy. Man, that's that's it right there, man. And that's it, um, man. The culture change round, I do like I always do, kind of like John Lee Dumas. I love doing it. It's yeah. just the rapid fire. We get it in, and then we just we, we, we end it out with a bang, man. So to, to, to get it started, what's <laughs> the best piece of advice you ever received? Best piece of advice, man. I, I, I would say... It's just on persistence, man. Just like, I don't even know who gave it to me because I've heard it so many times now, but whether it's in entrepreneurship or in life, you got to be persistent and just keep on going. And if you don't, if, if, if you don't give up, there's no way you can lose. Like, there's no mm, way you can lose. I love like, that, right? I've never, if you don't give up, there's no way to lose. It's just really yeah, that cut simple, right? You, you you're going to win. It's just a matter of when you're going to win. But if, when you lose is when you quit because you, you're not trying anymore. But like, if, if I'm telling you that I'm going to get there and I'm not going to stop until I get there, like, how are you going to beat me? Yeah. It's not possible. That's, it's crazy you say that real quick before I ask the next question because Awesome Lovey, anybody know, follow Awesome Lovey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she, my, my fiance just, she was, uh, she interviewed her last night. I know, freaking phenomenal. Like, I, 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 I listened to her talk with, if it's anything as good as the one with her, Molly Tills, I was just dying and laughing because she's freaking hilarious. But, yeah, yeah. Main thing I got from all her stuff is she was like, yo, 
the reason why now I'm blowing up on this blog, she's only like 31, 32, is yeah. because I'm still here. Like I've been at it 13 yeah. years and all the yeah. other bloggers, they shut down their blog, they stopped. I just kept going. Yeah. And that's really, that's really it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you mentioned John Lee Dumas. He talks about the same thing. He said, he, he was saying that um, I, I, I met him, he had an event that I went to out in California once and he mentioned that most, the average podcast lasts seven episodes, right? And then they, they fade. Mm -hmm. And for him, he just kept on going, right? And, and he'll, he'll admit that he sucked in the beginning. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't know how to interview. He wasn't confident, but he just kept on doing it. And now he's one of the best in his craft. So I believe what you're saying is exactly right, man. Yeah, man. So what is your, what is your, uh, what is your biggest fear? Biggest fear, man. Not, not reaching my potential, you know? Um, I mean, I, I guess other than, I, I mean, b biggest fear would be like if stuff would happen to the people that I, I love, but, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, ter in terms of like on a personal level, yeah, it'd probably just be not, you know, not reaching my potential because I know that if I don't, it's, it's going to be my fault. <laughs> it it would have been because like I just didn't put the work in and I wasn't focused and determined enough. So, um, you know, that, that, that'd be, that'd be a shame. Yeah, man. And what is your, uh, what is your favorite book and why? Ah, favorite book. So I already talked about the 10 X rule, so I won't, I won't talk about that one right now, but it's, it's up there for me. I have a lot of favorite books. I just read, I just read Think and Grow Rich and Seven Habits like last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, those are up there for me as well. You know, I'm, I'm going to say, though, um, I'm going to say The Slight Edge and The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And this is a book that talks about how the small choices that you make every day add up to either success or failure. Mm -hmm. And it's really such a simple concept, but it's so, so powerful. And I was fortunate enough to read that book right after... I go on through an experience where I lost about like 40, 50 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and just got in, in much better shape. And like, so I, I go on through that, that experience and I read The Slight Edge. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. When, when I was working out, you know, I, I had to, there's certain choices I had to make every day. I had to choose what I, am I going to eat like a hamburger or am I going <laughs> to eat this like chicken and veggies, right? And, and just... You know, you can mess up on on one day. It doesn't really matter. But if you if you start doing it four or five days in a row, it adds up. Or if you do the right if you do the right thing one day, you know, if if I eat one piece of broccoli today, that, you know, that's cool. But it's not going to make me rip, right? Mm -hmm. But but if if I'm if I'm eating the right stuff for a month, it makes a difference. And then two months, and then six months, right? These these things start to compound. So the book is really all about that. But then I noticed that, okay, this really makes sense because of what I went through through fitness, but maybe it also applies to educating myself. So maybe I should, I should be, you know, that really got me back into the habit of, I need to be reading every day. Right. Because if I can get that mental six pack too, right. Mm -hmm. I have the physical one also do the same thing for my mind. Okay. Like what can I do to work on my personal relationships every day? Right. What, what can I do to work on my income? Like, how do I create that type of consistency? So I started this, this, um, 
that book really kind of just changed my the way I practice my life because um, it made me see how important it is to just be consistent, even if it's just in doing small actions, but like checking that box every day, you know? Man, that's huge, man. That's huge. That's yeah, huge. Slight and, edge, slight edge. Check that out, man. Um, what is what is what, what would you say, especially and 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 put this in a digital the, the app lens? Your top resource, your top two resource and websites that you use in that in that space. Starting out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. Matter of fact, so one one thing I want to take it back to the last question, just because I want to sh- share share something with your audience real quick. Yeah. Um. So. When I, I went through that whole process with the slight edge, I created this. I didn't want to lose the lesson from the book because I was like, man, you know, you know, when you read something that just you're like, man, this is some life changing stuff. So I'm like, I don't want to just move on to the next thing and have this just pass out and be information. Mm-hmm. So I, I created this chart that would just show me, OK, these are the seven categories from the slight edge. And, um, you know. For each one, you're supposed to have a, a goal, a plan to start, and a um, what do you call it? A goal, plan to start, and a daily discipline. So I created that chart so I could put it up in invisible sight and look at it every day and practice it. So that, that's something I would love to share with your audience. Maybe yeah, I yeah. could put it up. I don't know how. I, I, so what I'll do, I'll create something. Let's call it dailyspark.co slash mtp yeah yeah mtp mtp that's what we'll do <laughs> and so I, i'll give them that resource up there resources the websites you use okay yeah Starting out. so I, I mean I, I think one that i go to just over and over all the time is odesk mm-hmm. and it's just because you can just hire so much talent on there i mean of course you do have to do your due diligence and there's a lot of disparity between the people who are really good and the people who aren't but yeah, I think it's it's an excellent resource. Let me see what else. What do I use oftentimes? Um, so I, I, I like so in turn I like uh, different project management tools, and the one that I use the most often is Asana. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think there are a lot of them out there that are all good, but Asana is cool. It's free. It just lets you keep your tasks straight. I actually haven't. Been, been on it as much recently, but that, that's something that I have in mind. I, I want to get all of my projects back in there because I started managing some projects via email and it just gets very messy. Oh, it gets crazy, right? Yeah. You don't know where anything is, is at and you just waste twice the amount of time that you could be using to execute just trying to search through Gmail. <laughs> so uh, Asana's dope for that. Man, that's 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 phenomenal. That's phenomenal, man. And uh, last question of that round is: uh, If you were the president of the United States, what would you do? Wow, What's the first man. thing you would do. So, man, I'll I'll tell these people like back up off me. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, man, that that's uh, that's that's such a tough role. There's so much going on as president that you know some of it that we're privy to and some that we're not. Like, what would I want to do? Uh, so it, it's tough because like, I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like there's so much that, that we, we want to accomplish and, you know, we'll, we'll look at the president and say, Hey, you're not doing a good job on that. But I think there's just so much going on, but that aside, <laughs> you know, I, I would like to improve things, um, in urban communities as far as education and providing resources and, you know, see if we can 
maybe spend a little bit less on the war and spend a little bit more on education. But like I said, it, it's, it's complex issues, right? I'm, uh, I don't want to be overly idealistic or anything like that. Nah, I, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you, man. So that wraps it up, man. And um, I know at the end of every episode, I do ask this one because I call myself the culture change agent. Yeah, yeah. And we ask the question, if you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? Change African-American culture. Yeah. yeah okay. Like what would um, it, like what, if, you, if you could do one tweak, what would you change? So, I mean, I, w- I would like to make, I-, I would just like to make it really cool to, I-, I like to make educating yourself, like, cool, just as cool as sneakers are, right? You know what I mean? Like, educating yourself and developing yourself personally, just make that a really cool thing for people to do. Because I think it is really cool. I think it's really powerful. And I, I noticed that out of the most successful people that, I meet and I run into, they all do it. They all just read so many books and, you know, they, they work on doing something for their, their fitness and they're always just learning something new. So I, I would really want that to be something that everybody is embracing on the whole, you know, from the time that we're, we're kids and we, we just know that it's like, it's the cool thing to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that's, that's phenomenal, man. Like, um, what I say is this is and I don't I don't I don't say this all the time. I don't think I've ever said it in the show, but man, this has definitely been one of the more encouraging, um, actionable and journey of an episode. It's kinda like <laughs> and I've always wanted to do one of these because I, I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast, um freaking the podcast by uh, dang how Barry Katz, Barry Industry Standard by Barry Katz. No, nah, you should check it out. He it's it the one thing about it, I think we talked about it earlier, the thing about this podcast is a long form, like yeah, it yeah. can go anywhere from an hour to two and a half. But he wow. has people that are like titans in the entertainment industry that are like executives and all these people that know what they're talking about, have crazy long stories and stuff like that, so that your audience can really be engaged. And uh, this I think this episode, even though it is the longest one in Minority Trailblazer history, <laughs> but it, it was a journey. Like I never, it, it, the whole thing is just a unique journey that I guarantee. I know my listeners would would are definitely going to learn something from because it just you just can't make this stuff up, and it's definitely encouraging to see somebody of the same ilk. Of course, that you're outrageously smart. But to see somebody just continue to work hard, work hard, get those rejections and just freaking kill the space and then not get chill. Not just like, okay, cool. You could, you could have probably, I don't know how much money did you sort of second company more, but you could probably be a little less happy to start brand new on the podcast, start this community online or whatnot, but you're still every day continuing to learn more, grow more. And I, and a side note, I'm, I'm, I disappointed that we didn't even get a chance to even talk about how you even met your wife, but that's here another day. That would take this podcast a lot longer, but you have an amazing wife, uh, a fiance that is doing phenomenal things herself, man. So, Wow, shout out, man. Shout out to Nikki. Shout yeah, out to sh- shout out, side, like, side Hustle Pro. I, I heard she's going to come on the show soon, too. Yeah, yeah, I got to. I got to. Like yeah, I said, I just lucked up meeting y'all in the right spaces. I, I, I definitely got to, man. So for our audience that wants to hear more about our journey, maybe want to reach out, ask questions, or yeah, just yeah. find out how they can be more involved in your community, where can they find you at? Where can they reach you at? What's all your info? Oh, absolutely. So... The podcast is can be found at dailyspark.co slash podcast. Or if you're on Android, then dailyspark.co slash Stitcher. 
And the community is at dailyspark.co slash community. I think those are those are some good links. If you want to find us on um, any of the social media channels, the handle on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's all Daily Spark TV. Mm. Love that, love that, love that, man. So, Minority Trailblazing Nation, you have just tuned into one of the most, like I called it at the beginning. I knew the interview was in the air. One <laughs> yeah, of I most, had fun, man. I yeah, had fun. One of the most epic, the fun, one of the more funniest podcasts, but uh, it was epic. It was very detail-oriented, and we just went through a story of, of a young man from straight out of Nigeria that is really, is is is, is hopefully, and I think definitely going to be one of the future tech titans of the, of the, of the, oh, thank you, man. Of the U.S., man. Man, so we got it. We got it here first before because a lot of people already know. But the before the world gets out to that man, so I like to thank you for your time. Yo, thank you, man. This, this has been wonderful. I definitely got to come back on the show sometime, yeah, and we definitely got to have you on my podcast as well. Wow, we have just wrapped up the longest episode in Minority Trailblazer history. Thank y'all so so much for tuning in all the way through. If you haven't already. Please stop what you're doing right now. Leave a review online. It's easy. It takes a couple minutes. And share the podcast with a friend if you think they can benefit. This has been a phenomenal experience. A lot of the notes will be in the show notes on my website. And thank you each and every person for listening all the way through, for your support of the podcast, for your support of me. And if you ever want to reach out, have any questions for me, you can reach me at Twitter, at Greggy Hill, Instagram, at Greggy Hill. And let's continue the dialogue and conversation. I just want y'all to know that over the next couple of months, we will be rolling out a Facebook group. We will be rolling out a website. We'll be rolling out a lot of great things that hopefully can encourage and empower you to be the minority trailblazer you can be. And get extra content and get inside scoop on people that were having the show, Q&As, all that good stuff. I really want to take this podcast to the next level. And I'm glad that you're going to be here with me. All right. Thank you all for your continued support. My face is almost 100% healed. And let's continue to do one thing. What is that one thing, Mr. Hill? That one thing is to change the culture. Have a good night.